The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And I am absolutely delighted today to welcome a good friend and a wonderful food activist, Lee Lockhart. Lee is the owner of the Main Squeeze Natural Foods Cafe in downtown Columbia, Missouri, and she likes to be referred to as a cook, but I like to refer to her as an activist and a cook. Welcome, Lee. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Melinda. Your restaurant stands out for many reasons, and every time I go into your restaurant, I'm reminded about how much and why I love it. But one of the things you showed me the last time I was in was a list of ingredients and products that you use in the restaurant, 80% of which are organic. And what percentage would you say are from local farmers? Well, that varies during the growing season. Obviously, we're buying a lot more uh, April through November, and then in the winter it tapers off a little bit. I'd say during the growing season we're probably at about 40%, and uh, during the winter it's a little bit lower. We rely on products like frozen blueberries from a local farm, local cheese, local tempeh, things like that, and so the percentage is probably closer to 20 25% maybe. Well, I don't know if anybody is doing the math, but what I love about local ownership of businesses where those local owners rely on other local businesses is that it really keeps the local economy humming. So you're helping to keep a farmer on their land because you buy from them. Well, I'd like to think that we contribute to that. You know, we're we're just one one buyer. There are many, many wonderful businesses um, in Columbia and Boone County that support local growers. And uh, I'd hate to think if we all stopped buying blueberries from Blueberry Mary in Jamestown, what what would happen to her? You know, it's, it's a giant chunk of, of her income selling to restaurants and, and retail stores beyond, you know, what she sells from her farm and at the farmer's market. So I'm a big fan of supporting the local economy. I think it makes sense for countless reasons, but uh, mostly I just really love farmers, and I love people in agriculture. They're some of the nicest, most genuine, caring, conscious people that I know, and to have relationships with the people that I buy from rather than, you know, an anonymous truck that pulls up and unloads produce from who knows where, grown by who knows who, and, you know, under what conditions. It's just a very satisfying and and really reassuring feeling to, to deal with local growers. And that's why your food tastes so good, too, I might add. Well, I have to say, you know, fresh is best because, let's face it, you know, a tomato that was picked and shipped from California takes 15 to 20 days to get to a consumer, whereas the ones that we served from the second week of July really up through the middle of October were a day, maybe a day or two old uh, when we were serving them. And a lot of them were, you know, picked from our garden, so they were served the day that they were were picked. And that's got to contribute to a, a, a tastier product, certainly. Okay, so we should probably back up, and I should ask you, how did you get started in the restaurant business? Gosh, uh, my family thinks it's an absolute mystery because they're all in social service. But um, I think I've always had a great interest in food. I grew up with southern relatives, women who spent a lot of time in the kitchen, and I just enjoyed the conviviality and the humor and the relaxed 
uh, way that these women were in the kitchen, it made a big influence on me. And it was contrasted sharply against the home life that I had because my mom was a working mother and my dad worked. And my brother and I grew up, you know, with a lot of kind of fast food meals and convenience foods. And my mom didn't do as much cooking as some of my southern relatives. So I saw this difference. And and I really appreciated the value of a home-cooked meal. It just tasted better to me. And so I got kind of interested in food from a, a young age and started you know, just experimenting and cooking, and, and I was really a terrible cook when I opened my restaurant, I'll be honest. I've always had a belief that I can I can learn, <laughs> and so I thought if I had a good idea and I worked really, really hard, that everything would kind of fall in place, and I was real lucky in the beginning to have on board a woman named Sheila Johnson who had a lot of experience cooking and really taught me quite a bit and gave me a, a great foundation for the next now 15 years. Well, You've got more than a restaurant, and I think that's what makes you such a desirable guest, is that, yeah, you've got a restaurant, you serve really delicious food, it's local, the majority is organic, but you do more. And I I had to laugh when you said your family is in social service, (laughs) because I can't think of a better social service to be in than to give people healthy food, because you're giving them the start and the... A maintenance of a healthy life. So you are a social service provider, absolutely. But on your menu board, and you've got some new beautiful menu boards, your restaurant is one that combines art as well as good food and conviviality. But you've got a couple of messages. You've got a message that says, in good food we trust. And you talk about sustainability, and you talk about food equity. So even if you had no desire to learn anything when you came into Main Squeeze, you're going to learn something. So let's talk a little bit about some of the ways you go above and beyond just serving food. Well, I think the upbringing, um, having a father that was a minister, having a mother uh, that did tons of volunteer work, having a brother that was a firefighter, you know, seeing my family devoting their work life, professional lives to helping other people made a tremendous impact on me. And I I kind of knew that I was a capitalist, but I wasn't that comfortable with making money without doing something that I could really reconcile in my mind as as a positive, good work for me. And so in setting up the restaurant, we've, from the beginning, done a lot of things just so that I could sleep well at night. And, for instance, um, buying organic would be a big one of of those things. Um, I believe that organic foods are better for a myriad of reasons. They're better for the environment. They're better for the health of the growers. They're better for the health of the consumer. It's a cleaner, less processed system of creating food. It focuses on getting local products to people usually. So the organic thing was, was big from the beginning. But I've tried to do things in the business that set it up in a real sustainable fashion. So we've composted from the very beginning. That means, you know, every paper towel, every carrot peel, every onion skin, every scrap of leftovers that are left on people's plates, all of that goes into a a composting system that creates great, great nutrient-rich soil that then goes back into our garden, which is at my house. We have a about a quarter-acre garden at my house that we um, grow some of the store's produce. And so we have this this full cycle kind of thing where we create waste, but I don't feel that bad about it because I'm making dirt out of it. And then the dirt grows the produce that comes back in. Columbia brilliantly passed a chicken ordinance about a year ago so that local town residents can have chickens in their backyards now. So we've got a lot of chicken folks coming by to pick up our juice pulp to feed to their chickens. And things like that are very, very satisfying because I know I'm not – making money by creating waste that we're not being responsible for. And that's another thing I mentioned on our chalkboards. I've never worked in a restaurant in my life where we generated less than one bag of trash per day. And I've 
feel real good about that. Now, we have other things going on, you know, like helping support local artists by hanging and selling their artwork. And I think the thing that I'm most excited and, and proud of lately is the past couple of years we've been raising money to buy organic produce for the Central Missouri Food Bank. And this is incredibly important to me because I do believe in food equity. That's another thing that, that we're really trying to let our customers know about, that we know that this organic product is not affordable to everyone, and that's horrible and it's unfair. And we don't know what else to do about it other than to try to raise money to buy this equally good raw produce to take over to the food bank. And the first time that we dropped off a truckload of food, and a truckload, I mean my pickup truckload, I really left in tears, to be honest with you, because the quality of the food sometimes that's donated and that um, low-income people have access to, it's mostly processed, uh, mostly canned food, uh, very, very little fresh produce on the times that I've been over there. So to bring over bananas and lettuce and celery and herbs and oranges and things like that just is something that I'm, I'm interested in spending more and more time working on. And so we match customer contributions dollar for dollar. So far, we've raised about $2,500 and organic food for the Central Missouri Food Bank, and that's something we'll continue to do. Hmm. I'm grateful for you. I want to mention that you also define what local is in that you support more than a dozen farms within 50 miles. So, you know, a lot of people like to wave the sustainable flag, and they like you know, the S word, and they like to say that they're local, but I think we have to ask, you know, how people are defining that word, and I think you do a marvelous job of of truly walking the talk. Well, thank you. I actually, um, there's a chain restaurant that I frequent sometimes because I happen to like some of the food that they serve, and I was really surprised that they are um, they have a big marketing campaign right now that they buy a lot of local produce. And I thought, how do they do that? They're so big, you know, as a national chain. And then I read the literature a little more carefully, and, and their definition of local is 300 miles, which is still a lot better than 1,200 miles or getting produce from Chile or, or you know, Central South America. I mean, it's, it's, it's a big difference when you're buying it regionally, but I mean, truly local is Jim Thomas of Share Life Farms and Liz Grasnick of Happy Hollow Farms and, you know, Jeremy Siraj of Deep Mud Farm and all these, you know, wonderful, enthusiastic, hardworking farmers locally that have products that are available right here, right in my neighborhood. Exactly. Now, I believe one time I tried to introduce you as a chef (laughs) and you corrected me and you said, no, 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 I'm a cook. Let's talk about that. Well, it is one of my goals to really demystify all of this awful foodie culture that's happened in the last decade where chefs have become celebrities and reality shows are based around them. And it just seems very pretentious to me. And I'm trying to demystify food for people. I'm trying to make it real accessible, real simple, and real approachable. And when I hear people talk about chefs they admire and so forth, that's just not a a group that I necessarily want to be in. I want to be you know, the hardworking girl in the kitchen who's sweating and, you know, chopping vegetables and making soup. And I'm not trying to be terribly creative with our food. I'm trying to keep it whole and simple and vegetarian and not give anybody the impression that there's any magic happening around food. It's just food. I think the magic is in the relationship and in the soil. And it comes out in terms of really good taste. Yes. You know, so there is magic, but it's not pretentious. It's it's like you say, you've got these such genuine relationships with farmers that you can toss their names about like they're your neighbors. 
And there's something really wonderful about that. And it comes through on the plate. Well, I mean, gosh, I just don't know why you would want to buy something from some anonymous you know, truck that pulls up in front of your shop. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And I know a lot of people in food are reluctant to get involved with the local food scene because they perceive it to be either tremendously more expensive or quite a bit more complicated in terms of ordering, and it is. You know, you have to contact 15 vendors instead of one vendor that will bring you broccoli and dish soap. You know, you have to really do your homework and reach out and find where these farms are. And it takes a little bit more work, but the rewards are so rich that I just can't imagine doing it any other way. And like you said, it makes the food taste so good. And speaking of dirt, Melinda, I've always wanted to talk to you about this because Dr. John Eichert made a point several years ago at at a lecture that I was at, and I thought it was so interesting that the soil in which the food is grown, organic or not, the soil is the key to the nutrition in the food. Mm-hmm. And so his theory is that the obesity epidemic in America in part is related to the depletion of the nutrients in our topsoil. And so that's another reason that I love the local growers because I know that they're practicing organic or not. They're practicing sustainable methods of things like crop rotation and things that will ensure the quality of their soil so that they can continue to grow really nutrient-rich food because the theory that Dr. Eichert had is that Americans are consuming more calories so that their bodies can absorb the bare minimum of nutrition in vitamins and minerals and so forth that we need to sustain healthy life. And so I'm very interested in dirt. <laughs> and yeah. I'm very interested in the purity of a farmer's process to grow their food and make it not only fresh and delicious, but really as nutritious as possible. Well, this is a really interesting point you bring up, and I, I think that I absolutely concur with, with Dr. Eichert in that it is critical that we take care of our soil for many reasons, uh, not the least of which is that from healthy soil we're going to have healthier plants. But I want to go back and mention the importance of who I call food stewards, mm-hmm. and these are the people like yourself who take the crop from the farm and do something with it. So you can have a really nutritious bunch of broccoli, but you can store it incorrectly and you can overcook it. And, you know, there isn't going to be much nutritional value there. True. So I think that altogether we can produce a healthier food system. Is it going to start in the soil? Absolutely. It's going to start with the seed and the soil. But it's also going to very much depend on people like yourself who knows that when a delivery comes, you get it refrigerated, you store it with adequate moisture, you store it without exposure to excessive light or heat, and then you don't overcook it. And I have to say that the food that I've had at your restaurant is always prepared perfectly. I never get overcooked broccoli. I never get cooked to death kale. And so your respect for the food shows in the way, in the care in which you prepare it. Well, I appreciate that. I think it kind of goes back to really focusing on the simplicity of the preparation. I've read online some reviews of Main Squeeze where people say that the the greens were kind of flavorless, like they should do more than just steam them. But, again, I'm trying to put out a product that has as minimal adulteration on my part as possible. I just want the flavor of what grew up in the ground to come through. I want the broccoli to taste like broccoli and I want the, you know, and overcooking things obviously just diminishes the nutritional value. And, you know, we have this new menu. I've really, I have gone out on a limb and I, I, I've got to say I'm very happy with the results. I was very nervous with our new menu because 
we've gone hardcore. I've, you know, I've got all these raw kale salads on there and kale smoothies and all these different things where I'm just trying to really get people to eat more nutrient dense food. And part of that, of course, is like you said, is maintaining the freshness. And I have to say that that's another beautiful thing about buying locally because you know, if I have to order produce from out of town from our organic produce distributor out of Denver, that only comes once a week. Well, Liz is bringing me kale in the morning, and mm-hmm. Jim will bring me potatoes on Monday. Mm-hmm. You know, and so being able to work with local vendors who deliver more regularly, you know, especially in the case of eggs, I can order organic eggs from our natural foods distributor, but they may be six to eight weeks old, whereas I know the eggs that we're getting right now were collected from chickens within the last week. So, again, the local thing just provides another layer of of freshness and quality to the product. Mm -hmm. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Lee Lockhart, and she is the owner of Main Squeeze Natural Cafe, and uh, wonderful, delicious food, but also very important insight into the food system. And the last time I was speaking with you, professionally speaking with you and taking notes, we were talking about what keeps you up at night about the food system? And I think that individuals in your position have a perspective that will help further enlighten us. So what probably can, the most important question of the show. In terms well, of, yeah. well, tell me what you think. I'm scared to death for our food supply, to be honest with you. I'm 46, and I'm glad my life is half over because I hate to see what is going to happen in the next 30 or 40 years. I think our government and our our society continuously and steadily moves in the direction of processed foods, agricultural subsidies, things that support a corporate style of farming, bigger is better, making more money is better, adulterating the food in all kinds of ways like irradiating it. These are all things that, to me, fly absolutely in the face of logic. Food is, besides water and air, are the, the three things that you need. And why would you screw up your food supply by spraying chemicals all over it and by writing legislation that protects giant businesses that you can't even trace where the E. coli contamination happened because the processing facility is buying from dozens and dozens of farms? It, it just doesn't make any sense to me at all. And, and that's why I'm I'm just a local renegade. I just think... The very first thing people should do is learn how to grow their own food. If they want to prepare for the future and how bad things could potentially get, being able to grow a few tomatoes and some greens in your backyard is going to be the most important thing you can do to protect the wellness of your own food supply and that of your families. Besides that, get a relationship with a local grower. You know, Join a CSA, Community Supported Agriculture Program, where you have a subscription to a local farm and their produce for the growing season. And really start to ask questions when you're eating out about where the food is from. And I know this is a lot for people because everybody's so busy and life's very complicated and we have all these other things preoccupying us. But really, like, the food is the life force. Mm -hmm. And if it's wrecked, you know, we're just not going to survive as healthfully as as we should. You know, I think back 100 years ago about the food supply and how clean and delicious everything must have tasted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are lots of things to be concerned about, even the farmer's ability to save seed, for example, uh, right? And the genetic modifications of foods and all of the questions that arise from that. So by supporting those organic farmers, and I'm sure you hear from them what their challenges are, and in these down economic times, I don't know, how, how do we talk about the whole 
economic picture in the country. What are we going to do, Lee? You know, I am not an optimist. Uh, I hate to say that because I'm like a happy vegetarian. But I really feel like the government has not really gone in the right direction to protect small family farms and do what we need to do to to ensure their continued success and survival. You know, we focus too much on giving all of these federal grants and subsidies to big corporate agriculture that is really producing a quality of products so, so far inferior to the quality of a product grown on a small family farm that, you know, it's almost like the government wants us to get fat and sick and die. Hmm. That's the way that it feels to me. And it's not just the government, it's consumers as well because, you know, when we go and buy Pop-Tarts and Doritos and all that crap food at the supermarket, we're just supporting an industry that supports bioengineering and uh, all these other catastrophic, really life-altering decisions that have changed the food that we eat. You know, it used to be back in the day when genetically modified ingredients were first being introduced into things like strawberries and, and produce. Everybody was up in arms about it. There were pictures of tomatoes with the face of a fish on it, and, and nobody wanted that. And now, you know, 10, 15 years later, we've all kind of like rolled our eyes back in our head and said, well, what can we do? Yeah. And, and, you know, all you really can do is, like I said, grow some food, meet some farmers, become informed, be vocal if you can. I don't, I don't really know how much of a difference it really makes in the legislature, say in Missouri, for example. You know, we've got the problem with the CAFOs that we've had forever, and I just don't feel like the state government here has been super responsive to the needs of people like you and I and our concerns about food. But I think people just really have to take responsibility for what they're consuming and just ask a lot of questions, read a lot of labels. Mm-hmm. I think that consumers oftentimes don't realize the power that they have, but at the same time, from my perspective, it seems that we have so much money influencing government that that would be a really nice place to start. Even though it seems so far removed from the food on our plate, it's absolutely directed. Now, we've got the Farm Bill coming up for discussion every five years. It gets mm-hmm. to be reevaluated. And I think I know what you're going to say with this question, but I do want to pose it, and that is, if you had a magic wand and you were in Washington, how would you improve the Farm Bill? Specifically, I can't really say, to be honest with you, because I'm not super familiar with exactly how it reads, but I guess what I'd like to see is, I would like to see the government not subsidize corporations, is what I would really like to see. I'm a corporation. I'm a tiny corporation, but I've never gotten any government aid, especially during times when I've really desperately needed it. And if governments are going to support Archer Daniels Midland and not Jim Thomas, that's not a system that that I'm going to be a fan of. I'm a fan of the government supporting things that make sense, like how how can we preserve the small family farm? Mm -hmm. How can we offer them support rather than offering the big corporations that are you know, reaping the greatest rewards while, you know, one of my farmers who I've bought from for 10 years couldn't afford a life-saving operation that he needed. He had to, you know, borrow money because he doesn't have health insurance Mm -hmm. to save his life. You know, it's really interesting that you bring that up. There was just a survey with the, there's a, a National Young Farmers Coalition, and there was just a survey asking you know, I'm thinking about, okay, we need to get good food to Lee so she can serve it to me when I go in for lunch. What's keeping young farmers off the land? Because older farmers must be replaced. Yes. And they, they named three items. They named lack of access to land, affordable land, lack of access to capital, 
and lack of access to health care. For the National Women's Food and Agriculture Network, if you ask why women farmers, what is the barrier to them getting on the land, growing good food in small scale for small operators like yourself, the issue there was lack of access to health care as well. And I know we've had this discussion too. You're an independent operator. You're following your heart and dreams. Is health care something that's affordable to you? Not at all. It's half my mortgage. And every month when I write that check, I think about canceling it. And I did live without health insurance, oh gosh, for about eight years during my business. And it wasn't even so much. I think that everybody needs to just set their priorities. And if having good quality health care is important, then that's something that you find a way to prioritize over other things, like even having a car, for example. You know, if it's that important to you, it wasn't that important to me. But as I get older, it becomes more important. And it's a terrible racket because it's all fear-based. You know, they you basically have to have it even though it never covers anything because your deductible is so high. And I know you won't buy into that argument because of your circumstances. But for me, it's just a, it's a really hard check to write every month. And I can see why a, a person who wants to go into agriculture could look at getting a job working for a company that would provide benefits versus going out on their own. And it is a really uh, tough call to make. You know, uh, maybe if we get a national health care system or or something where it becomes more affordable, I I hope that these farmers can get insured because it it is a dangerous job in some ways, too, and they, they do need some coverage. Well, Lee, you know, it's not just the farmer that we have to keep in business. It's people like you, too. I think many times we take for granted when we have something good. But if something were to happen to your restaurant, I can't imagine where I'd go to eat lunch and have such fresh, such conscious, mindful food on my plate. I don't have to ask any questions when I go into your restaurant. I know exactly what I'm getting, probably know the same farmers that you're buying from. Mm -hmm. And I greatly appreciate that. We just have a couple minutes left, and I want to give you an opportunity to talk about something that I may have neglected to bring up. You know, I just think that all of our wellness as individuals depends upon the food that we eat. And I think that when people start to make changes in their diet, whether it's eating organic food or eating more plant-based meals, that this is an enormous life change that people can make, and it's not difficult. And um, one of my goals is to start doing some cooking classes that will reach a broad variety of people, not just the people that can afford them, so that I can kind of demystify how simple it really is to cook healthy plant-based meals and incorporate them, you know, in, into people's lifestyles and, and really make it a lifelong kind of change. And I just really appreciate very much the support of you and, and this awesome community. That I don't think a day goes by when somebody doesn't thank me for being in business. Mm-hmm. It's incredible to me, you know, mm-hmm. that people appreciate it so much because it's just, I just wanted to eat good the rest of my life. I just wanted to make sure I always had good, clean food. Well, I know you've you've served food to some mighty fine and famous people in town, Joan Baez, Emmy yeah. Lou Harris, yeah. people who have gotten the word that uh, Main Squeeze is the place to go. I want to make sure that our listeners know to go to your website, which is simply main-squeeze.com, and you Correct. can find the local menu, the daily menu, the daily specials, and get a taste of Lee's quirky and fun personality. And I want to remind everyone who happens to be visiting Columbia, Missouri, to come downtown to 9th Street and visit Lee's Main Squeeze Natural Foods Cafe for some of the best food on the planet. I want to thank you, Lee, 
for being a wonderful cook, a terrific food activist, and a great friend. It's been a real honor to speak with you. And I want to remind our listeners that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. Lee, thank you for all you do. I'm grateful. Melinda, Dan, thank you guys very much.